0: Dear Jesus, I want to thank you um, for your word. I want to thank you, God, uh, that uh, your word is powerful, Lord, and that your word goes out to do all that you send it to do, and it doesn't return to you without doing what you've sent it to do. Uh, So I thank you, Lord, that, Melissa, you have stored your word in Melissa's heart. I pray in your holy name that, um, yeah, just that we will be able to hear from you through Melissa today. Uh, that we'll be able to hear you clearly, hear your voice clearly. I pray that you'll just turn off any other voices um, that might be around us, Lord, that might be interrupting or distracting us. I pray, God, that, um, yeah, and I just thank you for Melissa and for the amazing woman that she is, for the incredible daughter and leader um, of this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Thank you. It is a good day to be in church, isn't it? It is a good day. So I'm just getting myself a bit organised because I trip over things <laughs> if they're not a bit organised, um, which you saw a few weeks ago. Almost had a good stack. And um, one of my favourite parts of my job, my absolute favourite, hands down, is seeing lives transformed. My favourite part: seeing people go from brokenness um, to healing and wholeness, go from a big mess to to this beautiful creation that that God does. And And it's also one of the most painful things um, when people, you know, get to a point and then turn around and and walk away. Um, But to see people go from all kinds of bad habits and and traits to walking with integrity and and just this incredible work of God is just such a a great joy to see. And part of that is being long-term relationship with people to, to see that process because growth is slow, isn't it? Anyone get frustrated sometimes in the way we grow in Jesus? I get frustrated sometimes with myself. Um, so today, um, want to. I want to talk a bit about going that next level in our lives to something better. So we might be doing good things right now, but let's do a reset today of what the better thing is um, to what God has for us to go into the future. Because we can make ourselves really busy with good, can't we? We can do lots of good stuff, lots of good things, but we want to do something that is going to be the right thing for us at the right time. God calls a better life um, for us. Now, a few, uh, it's a few weeks ago. Now, remember when we had all that rain and there was potholes more than road, right? Remember, you're just out in a corner, still a bit potholey, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of a, a bumpy ride just to get around this corner here. Um, but there was, uh, you know, the council did great, um, like they got there, um, and they were doing this re- resealing of the road near a house. So it was night time, it was a bit rainy, um, I was coming back from the gym, so, you know, a bit tired, and the traffic light system was set up for the roadworks, you know, you have to sit there and wait for this, you know, machine to tell you when it's time to go. So sitting there waiting, going, is it ever going to go? And there were three cars, well, two cars, one in front of me and then me, and then a whole lot behind. So we sat at this red light forever, and then it went green, and so the car in front of me and I followed the track that was supposed to go through the roadworks to where we wanted to go. And it was close to my house, so it was only a few streets away. And so we turned up Tumby Road, and, and we're driving along, and then still going through the roadworks through this detour, you know, on the wrong side of the road, around the roundabout the wrong way. You know, the whole deal is wet and rainy, so you kind of have to really concentrate on what you're doing. We got to almost the end of the roadworks, the car in front of me and we both turned down a side street to get to, well, they had to go the same way I was going, I guess. So he went down and then I went down. And then immediately after that, we both turned right into our street. And and that's like a dead end cul-de-sac kind of street. And I look back and there are about eight cars behind me following us the whole way into our cul de street. So we get to our street. The car ahead of me keeps driving. He must have been a neighbour down the bottom of the hill. And then I turn into my driveway and then I could just see the car behind me kind of break and go, all right. And so they kept driving around and sure enough, I'm getting out of my car. I was laughing my head off because back up the hill, all these cars had to turn around and drive back up again to get back onto Tumbi Road again to get out. I got inside, I had to tell the story 15 times to my family because I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I, I, I kept thinking about it, I'm like, how easy is it to follow the wrong thing? It wasn't a bad road, we have a nice street. It's actually a really lovely street to live in. But it wasn't where they needed to go. That's why it's important to do a reset of our life. Because we got to stop and evaluate if we're going in the right direction because I don't want to get caught up in a dead end and look back and go, I've just wasted the last 10 years of my life driving the wrong way. I need a life reset. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Are you a bit excited? I'm excited about this. Am I living my best life with my finances? Am I using my time in a God-honouring way? Have I picked up habits that are harmful or have I stopped habits that are good? You know, during COVID, mate, things changed, didn't they? Oh, my goodness. Things I was doing before COVID, when COVID hit, I couldn't go to the shops when I wanted. Anyone get frustrated with that? That was hard. I had to stay home with all of my family all day for a very long time (laughs) it's true i set up an office in the garage i'd shut that door i froze out there but that was my space i got work to do you'd hear the the sometimes a little bit of unrest in the house he's kind of listening (laughs) thanks wayne So COVID has changed how we do things. I really don't like people saying it's not going back to how it was because we're humans, we always go back to how it was. We do. We want to go back to what was comfortable, what it was like before. Okay. Life's, I walk into Coles now and I just look around and go, wow, can you believe that it wasn't that long ago we had to sanitise, mask up, show a code, you know. This time last year, we weren't in this room. We were at home again how easy we forget, don't we? So it's good to stop and take a a good look at our life and say, all right, what have I got in place now? And do I need it? It might have been what I needed to get through a a pandemic, but that pandemic's moved on, hasn't it? Okay, people still getting sick, but we can do life normally (laughs) as possible. Now, what do we need to keep? How different does my life look now than it was three years ago before we even knew what a pandemic would look like. How different is our life now? Is it a good different? Or are we still going, yeah, I've just got to get on top of that? So I'm going to give you three principles today. There's probably a lot more, but I've got three because, you know, three is manageable. Three principles for embarking on a life reset. So three things to focus on. On your seats, you should have a sheet of paper. You might be sitting on it. It might be on the floor by now. And it's got some... Um, blanks. So, let's fill them in today. The first one, eliminate the non-essentials. To go on a life reset, I need to eliminate the non-essentials. Some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And I love First Corinthians 6.12. It says, Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. It's a good verse. I love the message. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. If anyone feel like a slave to their whims sometimes, yeah, yeah, hard day, wake up in a bad mood, there's a whim, isn't it? Need the coffee, need the chocolate. I hate to tell you this, but some of the things that survived COVID were our sins, our habits, patterns, and bad attitudes. And they're things that we need to let go of. They're not essential. We don't need those things. Every sin in my life holds me down. Ephesians 4.22 says, get rid of your old self which made you live like you used to live. The old destructive patterns that were rooted in deceitful desires. Oh, that's harsh. What's it saying? The old destructive patterns rooted in deceitful desires. Well, every self-defeating behaviour in my life is founded on a lie because I convince myself that I've got it all together and all I need to do is this. You're right, God, you can look after, you know, the starving people in the world or whatever because I've got it all together and all I need to do is these things and I'll have it all sorted out. We think it's going to be helpful. I think I know what will make me happy more than God. I think I know it will work. So what lie am I believing right now about me, about life, and about God? Because Satan's the father of lies, and that's why the truth sets us free. We need truth in our life. So God will tell us what's not essential. All we need to do is sit down with him, with a notebook, and say, all right, God, what do I need to take out of my life? What do I need to do? And then we need to do something about it. So it's not just hearing, but it's also doing. can't just... God, God wants us to hear him, but then we need to take the next step and do something about it. What is distracting me from my best life, and I need to be willing to eliminate it. So I need to eliminate non-essentials in my life. It, it may be something on your phone you need to eliminate. might just be an app. Delete, you might find you an extra four hours in your day just by getting rid of that. Number two, excel at what really matters. Excel at what really matters. So, excel in what's essential, excel in what's right and true. Now, you don't need to be good at everything in life, and we can't be. My children would be the first ones in line to tell you that I am terrible at a lot of things. That's fine. I hear it from them. They tell me I can't sing, they tell me that I can't dance. You don't have to be good at everything. But to live the better life, we need to be good at what's most important. We need to be good at what's most important. So what's most important? We're going to have to develop three habits. And they're all connected together. So we can't just leave one out. We need to do all of them. The first habit is managing my time. We need to get better at managing our time. I tell you, our world and our life is so much more complex now than what it was 20 years ago, what it was 50 years ago, what it was 100 years ago. I mean, offices 100 years ago would ride a bike to visit people. You can't do anything else. You can't check your messages. You can't do anything on a bike. You just got to ride. Now we get in our car, we call people on the way places, we, we listen to messages, we do all kinds of things just while we're driving, don't we? We just connect with people. We've got so much to do, so much to do. It's all on. Having all of that doesn't mean we're living the best life. One of the big differences between successes in life and failures in life is that people who do live the better life do a better job of using their time because time is our most precious resource. Never heard of anyone on the deathbed saying, I wish I had more money. They always say, I wish I had used my time differently every time because once we walk away from the time from today, it's gone. It's gone. We all have the same number of hours each week, 168 hours in a week. Every single one of us has exactly the same amount of time this week. It's up to you how to use it. It's up to you how to use it. Time is our most precious commodity. We can get more money, but we can't get more time. So Psalm 90.12 says, Lord, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. I'd love to be wise. How do I get wise? Use my time. Make the most of my time. So if we practice the principles of God's word, read our Bible, we've got to know the word, we'll be able to use our time well and waste it less. That's one habit. Number two, the second habit is living on purpose. Proverbs 17, 24 says, An intelligent person aims, that's purpose, um, aims at wise decisions, but a fool starts off in many directions. So we don't just float through life. We're not like Forrest Gump feather that, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it just goes around and at the end it keeps floating and it's kind of a picture of that's how life happens. God's given us a purpose. He set us up with a purpose. You have a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're not just here to be, you know, a lump on the earth for, what, 80, 90 years and then you're not here anymore. You have a purpose and that's what God has for each of us. God's given us a ministry, and He doesn't ungive that. What happens is we get distracted by stuff and we walk away. The ministry is there that God's put, and the calling on your life, step into it. We leave it behind because we go out on our own. So let me give you a word of wisdom today. If you're saved and you're not doing ministry that God's called you to do, you're missing out on something very crucial for your growth. If you're not doing ministry, you're missing out on your own growth. I know that ministry is serving and giving and building the church and that's all such great stuff. That's a benefit to everyone. But if you're a Christian in this room today and you're not doing ministry, you are missing out. You're robbing yourself. Step into ministry. It's not hard. And you know what? I love doing my job. I love it. Sure, it's tough sometimes. Sometimes I look at my week and go, I don't even know how I'm going to do this, God. You know, you got to work this out because I can't do it. We've had a massive week this week. Yep, I'm still standing. God made it work. He does that kind of thing. He can make it work for you too. He can do it. We need to live on purpose because when we're not, we make it all about me, what I want. I didn't get what I wanted in church today. Well, were you serving? Or were you just here to get? That's what we do. We serve each other. We're family. We do life together. Don't unravel because you're not doing ministry. Feeling distant from God, struggling with finances, career, relationships, energy, all those things, we need to seek God. Matthew 6.33 says, Instead be concerned about everything above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what He requires of you. This is seek first the kingdom of God verse. Seek first the kingdom of God, and He will provide you with all these other things. Everything works out when we put God's agenda first. And that might not work out the way we want it to or we, the way we think that God should be running our life, but that's the whole thing about having a God in charge of your life. He gets to make the calls. You know, I, I really like to be in charge and God and I have conversations quite a bit because he's got another plan. I don't like his plan. Guess what? He gets it his way because if I don't, I, I, I railroad myself. I run into disasters because I'm not God. I can't see what's five minutes down the road. He's got it. He's got it. Everything works out when we put God's agenda first in front of our own, in front of our kids. That's hard to hear. God first. Okay? God's agenda first. In front of our work, God turns messes into masterpieces. Third habit, choose good priorities. I hear reasons why people feel they can't do great spiritual habits, but if we put God first, we're wanting God's kingdom first, the rest is going to get sorted. God's kingdom comes first. Need money so you can tithe? Give your tithe first. The rest works. The rest will work. Don't have time to do uh, quiet time, time with God each day. Don't have time to come to church. Make it the priority first to do those things. The rest works out. It always works out. To do a life reset better, to a better life, spending time with Jesus is a priority. I know we've got quite a few people that have had kids at some point over the years. Uh, have you ever baked with a toddler before? Anyone remember those days? Baking with a toddler. They help put everything into the mixer and you hold their hands back. You know, you turn the mixer on, hold their hands back. Um, then you, you put it all into the, the tray. I've got a photo, we'll put it up. This is one of my children. Look at that, helping me make cupcakes. Do you want to guess which one it is? It's Kate. It is Kate. Oh, so cute. Thank you. All over her mouth. She's got her fingers in there having a great time. She's cooking. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks Justin. So you spend your time trying to stop little fingers from getting in there and scooping out all that cake batter and eating it all. And you just really want to let the child just do what they want to do, which is play and, you know, have a great time in the cake. But you know that if you just get through the process and you get that thing in the oven in one piece, you're going to have cake at the end of it, which is so much better. So much better. A nice warm cake to share with a lot of people. And sometimes I picture a God with me a bit in that situation. I want to stop during the process and I want to get my hands in what God's doing and I want to play with the ingredients and do what I want with them. And God's going, just wait, hold on. I've got something better for you. I've got something better for you. It's going to be cooking if you can just wait and trust him. So let's not settle midway, but keep going to excel at what really matters. Choose good priorities. Okay, back to our third principle, last one. Third principle for embarking on a life reset is this. Expect incremental change. Expect incremental change. Now, this is the exact opposite of what we want in life, isn't it? We don't want incremental change. We want the microwave, the instant just add water deal with fixing things, don't we? You, you know, you call IT, they fix it. You don't have to pay anyone overseas any money. Um, you, you do something and it just works. We want the fast solutions. And in Exodus 23, God's talking to the Israelites about the promised land and he's saying to them, I've already given this land to you, but you're not going to get it all at once. You're going to have to drive out the enemies little by little so that you grow because I'm interested in your character. The God didn't just wipe out the whole of the promised land and go to the Israelites. Here you go. He said, you get this much. Now move forward and take the next bit. Now move forward and take the next, next bit. God's already decided the good things he wants to bless you with in your life. He's already decided what your promised land is. And he's not in a hurry because he's really, really, really interested in your character. It's not a single leap. It's not even a single decision. It's going to be multiple tiny decisions in your life. Tiny decisions. Tiny decisions. And it happens through incremental change. Incremental change is called sanctification. It's also called discipleship. And that's where we grow up spiritually. Little things there's this guy called James Knight. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him, but he was a pilot. He had his plane, and he uh, lived in Melbourne in the 1960s. And on the 13th of January 1962, he left Melbourne for Perth. Got in his plane, and he started flying. Now, in those days, you had to stop. Well, you probably still need to do it today in a small plane. Stop along the way and refuel your plane. Now, he's at this place called Ceduna, down on the south coast of South Australia. He stopped there, filled up and then he flew on into the desert and he was never seen again. Late in the afternoon, he was completely lost. He was running low on fuel and he made a landing in the desert and he waited for someone to come and rescue him, bring him more fuel. He kept a diary on the panels of his plane. He scratched out, you know, what was going on and how long he'd been there as well as his last will and testament. And he worked out from looking at his front compass, his main one and the button in the rear, that his compass was out by 30 degrees. Quite a lot when you're in a plane, driving, flying into the outback. But because he was trusting a faulty instrument, he flew hundreds of kilometres off course, heading straight into central Australia. And one of the greatest searches ever conducted in Australian aviation history was conducted, covering 60,000 square kilometres and lasting for 19 days straight. Eighteen planes were involved, racking up hundreds of hours of flight time between them, as well as numerous ground searches. It was a complete mystery what happened to this guy, James Knight. And more than three years later, during a geological survey... His aircraft was discovered. I'll show you how far across we was. See that big straight line going straight up? That's where he flew in that direction. The, the blue area was where he was supposed to fly, and the search area was the box shape where people searched. They missed him. It's quite a big area, quite a large area. Let's look at the next picture. There's this little plane in the desert. Now, if you want to know context, you know, that yeah, it looks quite big there, but from the sky, let's look at the last one, Justin. This is what it looked like from the sky over the top of him. Couldn't find him. While he waited, you might want to look there. See, he actually turned his plane around and had it ready to take off. Soon he's got more fuel into it. See the runway's ready to go. He cleared the space. It's ready to go to take off and no one came. It's presumed that From this, having stayed with his aircraft for five days, he had given up hope of being found there and had wandered into the South Australian desert to look for help. But his remains were never found. It matters when we start making little changes off course. It matters when we start making little changes off course. We can get stuck out in a desert and we can feel dry and distant from God, from church family, from ourselves even. What we've got that this guy didn't have is we have a relationship with Jesus. He is the rescuer. He comes and he saves us. And he promises us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be. Will be saved. Today I encourage you to do an inventory of your life. Are we running rough or is it smooth sailing at the moment? Have old habits and behaviours crept in? Or are there things that we need to eliminate to make room for the things that really matter? You may want to recommit your life again to God today. To say you can have all of me. All of me. I don't want my life to crash in a dry desert because I'm going in the wrong direction. I want to seek your kingdom first in my life. There's a band plays, you may like to sing, you might like to stand, you may like to kneel, you may like to come out the front and pray. Surrender to God. Pray for someone else whose life's rocky at the moment. No more regrets. No more wishing it was different. I'm clocking over to full commitment today. Let's respond to Jesus. Let's respond to Him today.